Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here as always with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello! And hello to you, Haley. In uh, this universe or the next one, we have a very exciting episode to jump into today. Hello to you at all of them all at once. <laughs> so we are going to be talking every everything everywhere all at once today. Depending on when you are listening to this episode, we watched it when it was just sort of on the tail end of in theaters and coming into streaming. So hopefully it's streaming everywhere by now when you're listening and you can um, you've you've chosen to enjoy it before listening to this episode. What a fun movie that we are going to get into! But there was one universe i think that we decided to pull a fun question from and it was rakakuni i think it's just a way to acknowledge <laughs> yeah. what that universe was which is evelyn uh sort of misremembers the the animal that controls uh remy uh, uh -huh. in, in ratatouille and calls him rakakuni so of course there's a universe where a raccoon is controlling a chef so Haley, you asked me not what animal would we choose to control us, but knowing ourselves, if we were being controlled by an animal, if I was uh -huh. always wearing a giant chef's hat, or just metaphorically, like what would that animal be that was controlling me based uh -huh. on, you know, how I know myself? Yeah. So because you asked the question, I'm going to give you the floor first, because I think this okay. is such an interesting question <laughs> that I'm going to have you answer first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was a fun twist rather than, yes. oh, which one would you want? But like, yes, as you exist, which one would it be? Yes. And so the one that I came up with for myself, which would not be able to control me by sitting on my head, but let's say they had a Haley remote control. Totally. Would be a cheetah. And the reason why is because cheetahs are like very good at compartmentalizing. So they're only the fastest land animal for very short amounts of time. Mm. Otherwise, they're pretty like sedentary animals. And I'm definitely, if I'm on my couch sitting, I am on my couch sitting. But if I am like doing, I am up and I am doing and I'm 110%. So I definitely was like, yeah, definitely a cheetah would be like, I'm going to make this human do so much stuff and then be like, nah, I'm done making this human do things, <laughs> <laughs> which definitely like the way that I run my practice, I like put all of my patients very concentrated in a few days and then mm. do other work on other days. And my podcast stuff is on one day and my right. So I yeah. really do things in very intense bursts. But then when I'm not doing that thing, I'm not thinking about that thing at all. So I would say a cheetah is controlling me from a distance probably very interesting <laughs> very interesting yeah you know because the sprinting the the speed is about you know survival and hunting and uh -huh. like that that feels like that sort of energy uh -huh. that's required sometimes when you're in that you know really intense work mode or yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm, and also okay. i'm really fast i say in ultimate frisbee it's my one trick I'm like my okay. only trick is that i'm fast nice <laughs> so there's a handy. bonus yeah so funny what about you what animals controlling that man so I, yeah, I gave a lot of thought to this because it's not to your point. It's not like what's your spirit animal or no. what's, you know, uh, you know, what animal could you, would you be if you could be an animal, but what animal is running your controls and sort of what your personality or, or behavior would look like if this animal was controlling you much yeah. like the raccoon does very vindictively in the <laughs> raccoon verse. Raccoon. So I came up with like just like the domesticated dog in my head. It's like a golden retriever. I can see that because and and it's funny when I was listening to you describe because I, I I relate to some of what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, there are like a couple different modes that I have, and it's either I want to be completely relaxed, right, uh -huh. where it's you know couch or beach or uh -huh. just going on a nice walk. Uh -huh. Or I want to, like, you know, if you're going to make me a meal, like, I want to be super excited about it. Uh -huh. <laughs> or I want to find as many different ways to play as you uh -huh. can come up with. Yeah. Right? 
can do we want to run? Do you have balls? Are you going to hide uh, something? Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm always down to play. I mean, we were just, you know, it's July 4th in, in our universe right now, <laughs> July 4th weekend. And I was going to see family and all I want to do the whole time I was seeing them was was play games. You uh-huh. know, we're playing um, bocce and we're playing catch and we're playing games in the pool and we're playing uh-huh. board games. And it's like, I am at my happiest when you, you just kind of give me a yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what <laughs> I want to do. And then, you know, I can also just kind of like be calm and chill and we can, you know, have a nice cuddle on the couch too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Like to give a little bit of behind the scenes, like I think with us, you are, you really want to like please and have it be fun and do all of those things. But then also, you know, this, this is two people working together. So there are some times that you and I need to like sit down and have a conversation about things and, yep. and you respond really well to those too, in the same way that like a really well-trained like <laughs> golden retriever, like wants to play and have fun, but then also is like, it's time to sit and, and you know, okay. listen to the directions. Right. Yeah. Sure. And I think that's like a good, you know, like a good. I respond very well to uh, to to a well structured environment. I will agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and you and I talk very like clearly and openly with each other, yeah. and yeah. I'm a hugely direct communicator. But yeah, so well, and I appreciate the speed and forcefulness <laughs> of which when you, right? when you come through. <laughs> I know I do. I'm like here. This is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and, and yeah, and we and we just we're along for the ride, and we keep up our <laughs> our internal animals. So so yeah, so you know that's fun. Maybe um, tweet at us. You know what mm-hmm. would what animal is controlling you? I think that's such a fun thing to think about. But yeah, so before we get too deep into that universe, Haley, let's take a quick break here and then dive into the multiversal world that is everything, everywhere, all at once. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is a 2022 sci-fi comedy drama. I don't know exactly how I would describe it, the category of this movie, but nonetheless, when an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world and her family hangs in the balance. I almost did my, my movie uh, trailer voice there. You did. Then all of those words definitely accurately describe the movie. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I mean, it is this this crazy epic, you know, in scope. But it's really, when it comes down to it, just about this family. And I think that's kind of where mm-hmm. we have to start our conversation today. Because, you know, we get into all the craziness of all the different universes and, and what it all means. But at the beginning of this story and then at the end of this story, we're left with a family. Mm-hmm. So we have... Evelyn, our uh, mother, uh, mm-hmm. starring Michelle Yu. We have her daughter, Joy. And we have her husband, Waymond. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, her father is also uh, sort of in the picture. Yeah. Gong, gong Gong. Yeah. So we're introduced to this family, and they run a laundromat. And if we didn't deal with any of the multiverse stuff, you know, it would be just like a really, I think, nice little story about a mm-hmm. family in crisis right we um in this sort of first scene we learn that evelyn's husband is in the process of filing for divorce he has divorce papers mm-hmm. that he has not served her with yet um we learn that joy has a girlfriend and has uh, mm-hmm. just introduced her uh to evelyn her mother and also wants to introduce her to her grandfather at the sort of laundromat party that night Mm-hmm. So all these different like family dynamic things are happening at once while they're also dealing with financial struggles. All these things are very grounded and, you know, things you and I see in our practice every day. Yes. 
Yeah, very real, typical, like, multicultural family dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it makes for a really nice setting to then explode out into (laughs) these different universes because every universe that we get away from our universe of this story um, Uh is just sort of different flavors of these same dynamics that we're seeing, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's... uh, Joy and her mother's relationship, whether it's Evelyn and her husband's relationship and how the relationship differs in these different universes, Mm -hmm. you know, or even the different paths that Evelyn sort of pursues, you know, based on different choices that she Mm -hmm. makes, because that is something that kind of comes up in this sort of initial stage. And maybe this is a good place for us to start is, you know, for people, and I've seen it on TikTok now, this sort of trend of people talking about multi-potentialites. Have you heard people sort of no. talking about this? Okay, it's really interesting as like a <laughs> categorization of a person, which uh-huh. is basically people who see themselves as capable of anything. Uh-huh. Like I could do anything. I could, yeah. as Evelyn feels, right? She's uh-huh. interested in cooking or she's interested in, uh-huh. you know, obviously she runs the laundromat. She has uh-huh. all these sort of, uh, you know, things that she's purchased and things that she's uh-huh. explored to try to get into. And, you know, even though, uh, you know, Waymond, Alpha Waymond kind of <laughs> describes her as having failed all these things. The reality is that for me, anytime I hear someone say that they failed, that means like an end point. She's explored all of uh-huh. these things, yeah. right? And I think that Um, represents someone who maybe has some dissatisfaction and maybe that's where some of this exploration is coming from, but that there's also like a sadness in none of these explorations kind of leading to anywhere different for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of hoping that one thing that she does will be the thing that changes her life for her and then realizing that she's still her. Yeah, totally. That she's still her and she's still with uh, her husband and she's still dealing with her daughter and all these problems are the same despite Mm -hmm. all these different things that she sort of maybe secretly wants to do Mm -hmm. um, or secretly wishes, you know, she was doing more of. Mm -hmm. So whether we treat this as like a family dynamic as therapists or whether we're just treating Evelyn, you know, if we had Evelyn coming into the office, let's say, um, you know, maybe dealing with some anxiety, just sort of dissatisfaction, or maybe I just found out my husband's going to, you know, file for divorce and I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. This is a, a crisis for someone. Yeah. And, just like uh, Evelyn's life, that work could go in a lot of different directions as well. Mm-hmm. So for you, if you're getting Evelyn into your office or someone who has like a lot of different things that they could work on, I mean, obviously, we try to narrow that down. So mm-hmm. I guess what would you imagine Evelyn's priority would be in the way we sort of see her in this these initial scenes in the movie? I think Evelyn's would be come in, give me a few tricks, and then yes. I'm going to leave and be done. Which, Which is something it, we see sometimes. Oh, yeah. sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's frequently what people want. It's like, I'm going to yes. come in, you're going to fix me, and then I'm going to leave. And and usually there's a few sessions of like, you're not broken, so there's nothing to fix. Let's yep. just kind of find a new way to live. And so I think it seems as though kind of what you and I just mentioned in your description, which is there's this sense of unhappiness and this Mm -hmm. sense of wanting more. And we kind of see that when she's watching the TV and she's watching them like dance together and be in love and be connected. And I think where I would spend a lot of time is kind of exploring her narratives about her life. Mm -hmm. And it almost seems like she's, and so many people who come into my office view the world this way and have this narrative that the world is happening at them Mm -hmm. rather than them being an active participant in their life. And so that kind of perspective shift is what I would work on of like, you get to decide, like if you want to be a karaoke star, start joining karaoke competitions, right? If you want to be somebody who does Kung Fu, start doing that. If you want to be somebody who plays with lots of different activities for the time that you like playing them and then you're done with them, great, do that. Just do it with intention. That would kind of be where I went with her. And that type of narrative comes up in this movie as well of like, you know, if there's a million possibilities, like you get to pick which ones you want to follow. 
Right. But it requires that, that active choice, right? That mm-hmm. sense of like, almost like commitment that yeah. I am choosing to be here with you. I'm choosing this relationship. I'm not sort of letting go and just sort of giving up to the fate of the universe. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually saying, no, this is what I want. And I'm, I'm willing to, you know, put the work in to make that yeah. happen. What I often find with that narrative that people struggle with is if you say to them, like, you're an active participant in their life, mm. There's also the pressure of having recognized that you've also played a role in yourself getting to this point, which I'm like, no, that's great news because that means you can play a role getting yourself out of this point. But I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people really struggle with like kind of the responsibility of being responsible for your own choices and then like the responsibility of being active in your own life is much harder. Like it's so much easier to say like, oh, well, I would do this, but I'm sad. Like if I wasn't sad, I, you know, I would have changed the world already. And it kind of allows that little like Pandora's box of hope, right? Like if it weren't for this thing, I would have done a million other things. And it's like, well, actually, if you want to do those things, you can do them regardless of how you feel. Or obviously there's, there are limitations, but the limitations are not your choices. The limitations are circumstantial usually. Right. And Evelyn frequently throughout the movie, it seems like recalls or comes back to this sort of inflection point in her life of deciding to go mm-hmm. with her husband to America and start this yeah. business and have a life together. And, you know, often her sort of universe splitting is what if I made this decision or what if I did this instead? Yeah. And I see that all the time. Like, well, I did this, so this is what happened, and I can't go mm-hmm. back and change that, right? Mm-hmm. This sort of sense of regret or self-blame or even shame about, you know, one decision or one sort of inflection point leading to all of this, all of these outcomes and the sort of sense of that sort of being overwhelmed by that. Yeah. And sort of the idea of how to dig out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And almost feeling like you have to keep making that choice because you made that choice. That's where I find people Mm -hmm. get stuck because I'm also like, yeah, you made the choice and you can't change it because often people will use it like, well, I made this choice and I can't change it. So that's the end of that story. So I'm right? here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. you also keep making this choice, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, if you or I was were like, I don't want to be a therapist anymore. I'm stuck being a therapist. It's like every day you wake up and you get up and you do therapy, like you're choosing that. And I think it's so much easier to be like, well, I made a mistake 20 years ago. And so now I'm stuck with it because it kind of requires less energy, even though it adds more distress. Yeah. But the distress that we know, right? The monster, you know, is, is easier than the monster you don't. And I think a lot of people often feel that way of there's comfort in discomfort sometimes. And like, you know, I can blame it on 20 year old me. And then that means that today me is not to blame. Right, uh, yeah. right. Sort of that having your thing to hang on of like, well, it's this thing, you know, this uh-huh. thing that I can't do anything about. So I'm yeah. powerless over That's it, right? That's the past, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and it's funny, I, I feel like I had a conversation with someone about this today where it's like, and I think overthinking, you know, is very much a theme that comes into play when we're thinking about like multiple universes and things like that. Because I think we can kind of get down the rabbit hole of, well, what if this happens? Or what if uh-huh. I do this and that happens? Or or what if somebody pops through this universe again and everything changes? And in that overthinking, in that overanalysis, getting paralyzed by mm-hmm. the possibilities, right? Or the mm-hmm. potential consequences of different actions. And, you know, something I try to work on with people that I think you're, you're sort of echoing here as well is that, you know, empowering yourself to be able to take that next step, that first step in many cases, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And to get more information, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're in trouble with the IRS, like, so you have to go meet with them, right? You have to go have that first meeting to figure out like how bad it is and mm-hmm. what's going to be required of you to get through the problem. Okay, so you're you're worried about your daughter who has a girlfriend. So is this something, do you want to talk to her about it? Like, what's the first step? Because yes, mm-hmm. a whole range of things could happen with your mm-hmm. father, with your husband, with her and her girlfriend. So many different things could happen. But we got to have a, the first action to get more information to uh-huh. then base that next step on. And all this uh-huh. over analysis is only preventing us from getting more useful information to move forward with. 
Yeah. And I think even the way that you described it was like, oh, what about my daughter? What about the IRS? What about the laundromat? What about my husband? Yeah. In that same sense, pick one of those to start yeah, with. Start, start right? anywhere. Yes. Yeah. You can't yes. go to the IRS and talk to your daughter about her girlfriend at the same time. So pick right. one of those. Yeah. I'll say to my patients, I'll kind of pick like where their skill set lies. But like mm-hmm. I have some patients who are very good assistants or event planners mm, or things like sure. that. And I often will say, you know, you're planning an event for your friend. Which one do you start with? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, I start with the IRS because that's a very like specific, like there, it has a deadline and da, da, da. Yep. great. Do that for yourself. Yep. But yeah, I definitely think that anxiety does come when there's so many things going on. And it's like, whether it's how do I get to the end of the IRS audit or where do I start with these things? It's like, well, it's always just pick one. Yep. Like you get to, and you get to pick it. That's right. Just because I think the deadline is important doesn't mean you do, mm-hmm. but like, if the deadline is important, well, then that changes the context. Maybe that's the one you pick first. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting in sort of what Evelyn learns about herself through these initial uh, interactions with Alpha Waymond. And I don't know that they actually call him that in the movie, but all the references that I've read about the movie refer to him as Alpha Waymond, which I just think is hilarious. I do think they call him that, which I think is so funny. Yeah. So he sort of initially is just sort of, Uh, interacting with her as like the next Evelyn that he's trying to kind of track down someone to help Mm -hmm. solve this multi-universal problem. Uh But as he interacts with her, he's learning about all the things she's quote unquote failed at Uh and seeing that because of her experiences, she actually might be exactly the right person to to solve this problem and to fight this battle and so on and so forth. Very much a, as you said, like a skills focused approach. Uh You know, where she might see herself as like all these things I didn't get to do in my life, you know, over time, he is reflecting it to her and she eventually kind of owns it as well as like, because I'm capable of all these things, I can actually access all these things Mm -hmm. anytime I need to, Mm -hmm. right? I can call upon my karate skills. I can call upon my hot dog fingers. I can, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. (laughs) Was there, didn't he say something about like, because you failed at everything? Isn't there a quote about that? There definitely is, and now I'm going to um, spend time looking for it. I'm not talking about the every rejection mm-hmm. one. Okay. I do like that one too, though. Yes. So uh, I, this might not be the, the exact quote that you're talking about, um, but the one that I like is, uh, you are not unlovable. There is always something to love. Even in a stupid, stupid universe where we have hot dogs for fingers, we get very good with our feet, um, which I think is is a slight twist on what we're talking about in the sense that even in the ways of which you've quote unquote failed, there have been lessons learned or skills developed to compensate for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you and I are doing that sort of skills work with someone, it's helping people own that, that uh-huh. there are reasons things are not worse than uh-huh. there are yeah. right now. And that sometimes feels, I think, like fatalistic to people, you know, but it's a like it's a very like therapy 101 question like so why are things not worse than they are right uh-huh. like to kind of get people at well there are things that i've done or things that i'm doing that are keeping me on this level of functionality as opposed to them being much worse than they could be yeah well you've survived every single day that you've lived right, right? Exactly. and so yep. you did that like <laughs> yep. um, there's plenty of people who don't survive through plenty of experiences, but you managed to do it. And what is it that you've done? That wasn't the quote that I was talking about, but I do really love that quote. I know, I'm trying to find it. (laughs) That's okay. But I do really love that quote because what I also really liked about it was it's like very seldom is something like somebody's hobbies or their this or that, like the thing that people love. Usually it's this like this non-entity that people love. And I think that's what's like really nice about that quote is even in this weird universe where like clearly nothing makes sense, like you're still lovable, which actually interesting. Like as I pause this, cause I'm thinking she's actually most lovable in that universe. Absolutely. Right? Like that's the one where she's like the happiest and the calmest and the like most engaged. And she's in this mm-hmm. like loving, committed, communicative relationship with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. God, what a weird universe that one was. <laughs> So funny. 
Um, so then let's also chat then about that since we're kind of talking multiverse and disappointment yes. and things like that. The For other sure. quote is the every rejection, every disappointment has led you to this moment. Yeah. And I think about that a lot just because I'm human. But like yep. I think like I think I think it was Thomas Edison says, Oh, I don't believe there's failure. I've just found another way that doesn't work. Yes. And I think he said that when he was trying to create the light bulb. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what we've decided he's that's the story decided yeah. over time. And I mean, that's really nice. That's not how humans feel about not finding a solution they're looking True. for. However, I do think that it's like, it is realistic, right? So like I taught for a year. So I was a teacher for a year. And that year, and I often was like, I thought so I studied psychology in undergrad. And then I was like, what am I doing? And so then I went to teaching, which is what I had kind of always thought that I wanted to do. And then while I was teaching, I noticed that the children that struggled to like, sit and pay attention and things like that, I was way more drawn to them than I was to teaching the children academically. And I was like, okay, clearly, if I'm anything, I'm a psychologist, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> if I'm if my if I get my satisfaction from getting this five-year-old to sit on the carpet and keep his hands to himself for 10 minutes. And I like think, and I go home and I'm like, this was the best day ever. Yeah. You know? And so like people may have seen it like, oh, I wasted a year teaching. Mm. And for me, it was like, actually that year confirmed that teaching wasn't for me. And if when put in that situation, I definitely went more to the psychologist side of things. And so kind of asking yourself like, if I have made a choice that I can't unmake, right? Going back yep. to that thought that we said, yep. what did I learn from it? Or what did I gain from it? And maybe it's like, I found another way that doesn't work, um, which means I'm, I have one less way to, to reconsider, right? That's and right. I think yep. that that can be really powerful. For sure, right? Because, and gosh, I mean, you know, it feels simplistic to say like the sort of framing is everything, but that's a, a very real skill that we work on in therapy is reframing your sort of how you're seeing the problem and how you're seeing yourself within the scope of that problem, right? So in these early scenes in which Evelyn is sort of learning about the scope of the problem that she's dealing with, am I supposed to fight? Oh, she thinks she's supposed to fight immediately. So she punches, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and it's like, you know, you just assaulted an IRS agent, right? So it's like all these skills that she's trying to develop at the same time are not serving her at the right times yet. Uh -huh. um, and I think it's just a really interesting, you know, almost like almost like metaphor of like when someone is, you know, and they and they kind of use the framework of like branching out. Mm -hmm. Like anytime, I think at one point, Wayman says, uh, you know, he says, you underestimate how the smallest decisions can compound into significant differences over a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Every tiny decision creates another branching universe. And like when when he says that, it's sort of scary and heavy. But I think for Evelyn, what he's trying to to emphasize is that she has not yet sort of understood how much power she actually has and it's not scary because it's creating all these you know uh, multiverses it's scary because you have the potential of pulling from all these different versions of you mm -hmm. to save the world to save the universe uh -huh. to save the multiverse and you know it's very much in that sort of like skill building reframing you know, helping her to see herself in a different way within the scope of the problems that she's dealing with. And, you know, and she eventually gets there. But obviously, it takes it takes a lot of sort of intermediate lessons to help her figure out what works and what doesn't work with these new yeah. problems that she's dealing with. Yeah, I think I could tell you were getting confused by my like thinking face while you were talking. <laughs> but because what I was thinking was, I think this is like a really wonderfully like positive way to view it of yes. like, you yes. can reach into all these possibilities yeah. of yourself. And I love that. However, I think I have a note here that says it's really easy to get lost in the possibility of another life. Sure. And I think we as humans do that. Like, well, what if I had done X, Y, and Z? What direction would things have gone? Yeah. But the thing is, Evelyn would not have been able to fight because she never trained. And so there's yep. this thing of like, oh, because it's you in all these universes, you have all these skills. And it's like, 
No, like you never went to the training for it. You never acted in a movie. You never mm-hmm. like did all these things. So you don't know how to do that. You don't have that skill set. Now, does that mean that you're incapable of that skill set? Absolutely not. You mm-hmm. c- could be. You just would need to take the steps to get there. And that's the hardest part, right? So like I yeah. love the narrative of like you can do anything you want and you have these multi possibilities or what multi potentiates or whatever you said earlier. (laughs) Um, Because I do think that like, for the most part, that is very accurate. However, you don't just become a movie star because you imagine yourself as a movie star. You don't just become a karate master because you imagine yourself doing that. You get to that point because you take the steps to get there and that's the hardest part, right? So if you or I decided like, actually, this is not the life I want for myself, we would have to take the steps to go a different direction. And that's not easy. It's incredibly hard, which I think is why a lot of people end up feeling stuck Mm. is because they're like, actually, it's easier to continue making this same choice over and over again than it is to have to start over because sunken cost, right? Yeah. And then it's easy to get lost in the possibility of another life. Like I, again, I'm the snarky therapist. So I've had patients say to me like, well, if I had just done this thing, I would have been X, Y, or Z Mm. right now. And I go like, yeah, and if you had started heroin when you were six, you would be a heroin addict right now, you know? And I try to make it ridiculous by having it at a really young age. But like nobody ever thinks about how things could have gone so much worse. Everybody just Mm -hmm. thinks about how things could have gone so much better. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and what we're describing, this sort of like pitfalls of the possibility is sort of essentially what happens to Joy, right, in this alpha verse, uh-huh. right, is she... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the quote because I think it's the best way to kind of summarize what happens for her. Mm-hmm. So, Wayman is explaining sort of how Joy gets to this point. He says, There was one who was far and above the most gifted, our little explorer. You saw her potential, so you pushed her beyond her limit. And they're talking about Joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Though the overloaded mind usually dies, instead her mind was fractured. Now her mind experiences every world, every possibility at the exact same time commanding the infinite knowledge and power of the multiverse. Now mm-hmm. she's seen too much, lost any sense of morality, which I think is really interesting thing we could talk about as well, any belief in objective truth. Nibelin asks, what does she want? And, and Wayman says, no one knows. All we know is she's looking for you. Mm-hmm. And we see throughout the course of the movie that she's looking for her essentially because she knows that she can also sort of potentially experience this everything all at once sort of uh, experience Mm -hmm. Uh, and and in so is looking for someone just to kind of share in that with her Mm -hmm. and and well again what a nice metaphor for what really joy is looking for back in our original universe which is just Mm -hmm. someone to validate her and and love her and accept her for who she is and Mm -hmm. and the lifestyle that she leads yeah because there's this moment i think they're in the closet in the like janitor's closet and Evelyn says to Joy something like, I know that this is hard for you. And you see like Joy start to be like, huh? Mm-hmm. And then Evelyn follows it up with like, but something, something, something. Was well, that when she switches to like, but you're you're getting fat? Is that when she switches to switches tracks? No, oh, no, no. You're, you're getting fat is when she goes to get in the car before the multiverse hits. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But like. It's, it's that same kind of situation where like she's, she's about to hit on some emotional moment and instead well, she uh, like... On validation, right? She's about yeah, to hit yeah, on validation yes. and then yeah. switches to like, here's the thing you're doing wrong, which yeah, again, criticism. cultural yeah. Um, yeah, motherhood, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. But I think that like, th- first of all, every single actor in this movie deserves oh my an gosh. award. So good. Like, they all did incredible. But if you watch Joy's face in that moment, there is this joy and this relief that hit her simultaneously and beautifully acted and then it immediately is replaced by resentment disappointment sadness anger all of those at once when the switch happens and and what we kind of find is that the angry version of joy i don't know what her name is i can't remember but like all she ever wanted was that validation but then what ends up happening is that like when she finally does get it at the end it's like kind of 
too late, right? Yeah. Like she's kind of already broken and angry to the point where she's not ready to hear it. And and I had another note here, which I think is a wildly important thing for us as humans to recognize because we have these narratives like, if I just mm-hmm. said this thing to this person, or if I had just loved this person this way or done this thing, then they would have loved me back or then right. they would have stayed or then they wouldn't have got angry. And I have a note that says, sometimes you move towards people and they still choose to move away. And I think that's really important. And I kind of love that that happened in this movie yeah. because it's so much more realistic because yeah. it's not the like, oh, sweetie, I love you. Great. Good. Everything solved. Ultimately, that kind of does yeah, happen for there. them. Yeah, but like, yeah. I think in a, in a more work. realistic way. Yeah. 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 But I think frequently, once thing ha- things have become so fractured, our sense of morality in terms of like our morality related to the relationship, I think does disappear, right? Like, you yep. see it all the time. People who are wildly in love and then are going through divorce start to become not not everyone, obviously, but some people become very unkind to each other. And you're mm-hmm. like, neither of you are unkind people. What is happening? Yeah. And, and I think fractures can cause stuff like that. And sometimes yep. no matter how much you move towards people or towards a thing, they may still choose to walk away, whether it's friendship, work, relationship, parent, yeah. whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so Joy turns into uh, Jobu Tupaki, or as Evelyn refers to her, Juju Tabuti, which I actually <laughs> she like. She like says it wrong better. every time, every which time. I That's love. Great. That's this so movie, great. the details are so yes, beautifully done. I love it, and it's yeah. it's genuinely funny. I mean, you you don't necessarily expect the humor, yeah. but when it comes, especially in the the multiverses, um, hot dog fingers and Rekakuni and you know some of the different dynamics that pop up, it's it's funny because it's funny and ridiculous, but also for some reason feels grounded in like the interactions that they've had and, and uh-huh. the thoughts that they've had and the things that it's they want. It's also very clever, right? Like it hits yeah, every type yeah. of humor. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Nothing yeah, Nothing feels out of place. No, I mean, you know, even, even things that get super meta and super bizarre, the multiverse where they're just two rocks up on a cliff with googly <laughs> eyes. Uh-huh. Well, they eventually have googly eyes uh, as the googly yeah. eyes uh, start to get everywhere. You know, it's just they're still able to communicate, which I also found like really profound i, I don't uh, know I was, I was having some some moments where I'm just like oh my god this is somebody did just an incredible job you know writing and thinking about this because in the in the multiverse in which we see evelyn and jobu tupaki exist as rocks and jobu says most of the universes are this way which is again like really interesting and that we're sort of we're acknowledging that the universes in which we have relationships in which we are ourselves like maybe we should be grateful that we get to have those opportunities and that we're not just rocks on a cliff. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like it's it's saying so much through these little glimpses of different ways these relationships could be playing out. Yeah. Yeah, so we haven't talked too much about Evelyn and um and Wayman's relationship and and mm-hmm. you know, we see that in some of the other uh, multiverses and especially uh, with Alpha Wayman sort of being this much more assertive, much more direct, much more maybe confident uh, version of Wayman that in moments uh, it feels like Evelyn only wants that Wayman around. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as she sees him as a being able to exist, she's very disappointed when he's just sort of back to his normal, like more reserved, you know, Wayman self. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And I imagine that, that that's sort of, and we don't get too much of the history of their relationship dynamics shifting over time, but we can imagine things going from, you know, the intensity and the stress and miss, good good ways, you stress and distress of uh, coming to a new country together, starting mm-hmm. a business together. But then over time, whether it's having a daughter or then her father coming, like some things getting lost right within that relationship. Mm-hmm. And we see through the other multiverses, especially the one in which they're not together, right? Evelyn is just mm-hmm. a movie star version of herself and mm-hmm. Waymond happens to be at the movie premiere that she's mm-hmm. in, that we see that they're 
they're not people that are not still appreciative of each other, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just because of these different decisions that were made, they're in a different place in their lives, which mm-hmm. I think is 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 really interesting. So when when you're looking at their relationship, you know, if we brought them in for let's say mm-hmm. couples counseling, and let's just say it's the versions of them in the original Yeah, the main universe, right? Yeah. The main universe in which Waymond has has you know, had divorce paperworkers, uh, paperwork drawn up. Like, what are you seeing with them? Because it, it feels like it's just a relationship that's sort of not had any obvious conflict, but just has sort of maybe drifted apart mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. What I see, and it's what you often see with couples who come in for couples therapy, is in the beginning, they're on the same team. Mm. And then as time passes, they start to think that they're each a team against each other and not necessarily in an aggressive way, but you see like Waymond fighting to keep the happiness and the playfulness and the silliness in their relationship and Evelyn fighting to keep the details of their life together and both of them sticking to that rather than like giving a little on both sides from each of them, they both mm-hmm. like are sticking to it stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where it pulls them further and further apart. And it's almost like in past episodes, we've talked about like cognitive dissonance and how like mm. when you have to fight for something or prove something to yourself, you become more resolute in that thing. And I kind of see that with them is like the when he is being hopeful and positive when they're leaving home to come to America like it's this like driven positivity and at some point over time it becomes this annoying positivity like Mm. putting googly eyes on everything and just like well it's okay and it's fine and it's like some things aren't fine like oh we'll go to the IRS and we'll just figure it out and it's like you don't just figure that out that needs Mm -mm. to be done and I think what ends up happening is they're two islands, right? They're not talking to each other. Like, instead of saying like, hey, the positivity is actually making it so much harder for me to get this stuff done. Or like, hey, you focus so much on this, I don't feel that you see me anymore, right? Instead of having this conversation with each other, they're both mumbling to themselves in their own ways in different corners without realizing that each person has their strengths, which eventually Mm. she finds out in the final scene or like set of scenes where... Waymond is talking to Deidre and she eventually goes like, okay, I'll give you another day. And she suddenly realizes like, oh, my, my husband's happiness and friendliness and things like that. And, and vulnerability is actually a strength rather than seeing it as a weakness. Yeah. And, and we kind of see him, especially in that universe in which she's a movie star, he sort of talks about how he chooses to be the way he is and, and optimistic. And, and he has a really beautiful quote. He says, when I choose to see the good side of things, I'm not being naive. It is strategic and necessary. It's how I learn to survive through everything. So we kind of get these contrasting styles of mm-hmm. survival, right? Mm-hmm. Of am I a fighter? Am I just an optimist? Am I someone who tries to see the good and make the best of a situation? Or am I someone who feels like I have to pull every fighting style from every universe mm-hmm. I've been in to like force a solution into this problem? Mm-hmm. And Evelyn eventually kind of sees that you know, if we call it his fighting style, mm-hmm. what she might have once seen as naive, she kind of grows to see his kindness as his superpower, as his strength, and as a tactic that's way more effective, especially in helping her battle Jobu Tabaki and all mm-hmm. these sorts of things where validation and acceptance has eventually ends up getting her way further, mm-hmm. especially through that final battle scene than... Um, than any of the sort of fighting she was trying to do. Yeah. And also what I like about that quote is what it's saying, what he's saying in that moment is so the way that he like putting the googly eyes on everything yeah. makes it seem like, Oh no, who cares? It's this just making light of everything, silly, which yeah. 
we, you know, we've talked about with our initial Ted Lasso mm. episode of like toxic positivity can be dangerous. Yep. Right. And so in that quote where he says, like, I'm not being naive, I'm choosing positivity. In that moment, he's actually not doing toxic positivity. He's saying, no, I realize it's not good. I'm choosing to engage in the world in a positive way, Mm -hmm. which I think is wonderful. Also, if he were my partner, I'd say like, I love that for you. Mm. Stop it with me because I'm, I'm not somebody who does positivity in moments that I'm like, no, it can just be bad. It doesn't, we don't have to have a positive spin on it. Like it's okay. Um, And I think, again, in couples therapy, that's what I would do, would be like, you get to have your positivity. You get to do it that way. Put googly eyes on everything. Great. It doesn't hurt anybody. But when Evelyn has a moment where she is frustrated or angry or upset, don't put googly eyes on that because that's not how she... Or she wants to fight, right? Or if she wants to really engage in the the problems that are at hand. Yeah. 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 And then same for her with him, right? Mm -hmm. As like, if he's doing something for himself in a positive way... Don't hamper that with your realism. Like he right. knows, right? Like yes. he's right. not naive. He's choosing positivity, which like, great, wonderful. You do you. Like it, as long as yeah. it doesn't hurt somebody, keep going. Yeah. I think that that's, yeah. that's an important quote, right? There is a difference between naivety and um, positivity, but also like kind of knowing just because that works for you doesn't mean it works for everybody. Yeah. Well, and all the things, yeah. Yeah, oh, totally. And then, and then we have sort of Evelyn's choice, right? As we talked about before, you know, she finally kind of gets to this point uh, with Joy and with Waymond, where uh, despite all the craziness she had been through, um, and she says, of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Mm-hmm. And even though Joy is, I think, understandably sort of confused and concerned and maybe in disbelief about you know, wait a second, like, what is this? Who are you? You know, how much, how real is this? Mm-hmm. You know, which essentially is the, the struggle that Jobu Tabaki is dealing with is like, mm-hmm. none of this is real. None of this mm-hmm. uh, matters. Mm-hmm. You know, Evelyn tries to kind of get through to her with that validation, with that acceptance, with that choice. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, hopefully sort of restoring a sense of, uh, of normalcy um, yeah. to all the things that they had all been dealing with up to that point. Yeah. The the note that I wrote with that is, and and I say this, I love getting existential teens. Like yes, it's my favorite. Yes, yes, yes. Like nothing matters. I'm like, great. I love that nothing matters. So what yep. I will often say is, if nothing matters, you get to choose what matters. Yep. Right? Because like if none of it matters, like pick something. You know, if like you're like, okay, great. Well, nothing matters. So bubble gum's going to be my favorite thing. Great. <laughs> I'm down with bubble gum being your favorite thing. What are we like? Are we going to make yep. it? Are we just going to eat it? Are we going to try different flavors? And, and that applies whether everything matters or nothing matters. Like you get to decide, right? And, and maybe what matters to you is what other people think is important. That's okay. If that's yep. what's important to you, you get to decide that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that that's a really important piece. So I think we should really discuss the like scene in the white room with the everything bagel. And yes, Good. to me, that whole set of scenes represents how depression talks to us. Mm. Right. So every time yep. Evelyn tries to go somewhere else, Joe Butapaki calls her back and like says like, no, 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 come back here. Like mm-hmm. come back to this place where nothing matters. And like, yep. no matter what you do, it doesn't really matter. And there's no value and who cares, you know, spend time here. It's, it's empty and, you know, but at least we're here. At least we're together. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that yeah. I, that's how our depression talks to us when we, mm-hmm. when we are experiencing those symptoms. And, and I kind of like this idea of putting it all on a bagel. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what the item is, but I like this idea of if you can take all of those feelings that are heavy and too much and put them on something somewhere else so that they're not in you, mm-hmm. right? And even I really like Jobu's Tabaku, Tabaki, Jojo Bimaboop. Yeah, <laughs> the way the mom yeah. does it. Yeah. Like she has the bagel like above her head, yes. like out of her hair or something like that. And I kind of like that image too of like, what would you, what would it be like if you put your feelings mm. on top of your head on a bagel? External, external. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And recognize that they're not you. They mm-hmm. can be somewhere else. They can, they can live 
outside of you. And, and then another like phrase in this thing, and then I'll get your response to it. But the quote was, I can think of any nonsense and somewhere out there it exists. And what I loved about that quote is I was like, that's anxiety. Yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, like any possibility exists. Yeah. Yes. Like so frequently my patients will be like, well, what if blah, 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 blah. And I will be like, yeah, well, what if, and then I say something that's either considerably worse or like considerably better and they'll be like, yeah, but I'm like, no, these are equally as possible depending on the choices you make. And I think that that's like really, I don't know, an important thing to remember like that. These things are how our struggles talk to us. Yeah, so can I read that that uh, back and forth? Because I think it's really good. Um, it, it sort of please. touches on what you're talking about here. So Yeah, please do. So Joy says, uh, I got bored one day and I put everything on a bagel. Everything. All my hopes and dreams, my old report cards, every breed of dog, every last personal ad on Craigslist, sesame, poppy seed, salt, and it all collapsed in on itself. Because you see, when you really put everything on a bagel, it becomes this, the truth. And Evelyn asks, what is the truth? And Joy says, nothing matters. And Evelyn tries to argue, no, Joy, you don't believe that. And Joy says, feels nice, doesn't it? If nothing matters, then all the pain and guilt you feel for making nothing of your life, it goes away, sucked into a bagel. So, so but so does the joy. Uh, ooh, yeah, everything. Didn't, I didn't everything. mean that intentionally, yes. but like, yeah, you know, like yeah. yes. to be metaphorical, like, or, or I guess literal joy gets lost in that, right? right. The character it doesn't, it doesn't of feel joy nice. it doesn't feel yes. anything. Yeah. yeah. So the character of joy also gets lost, right? Mm-hmm. She's no longer joy. But and I now I'm like, did they do this intentionally? And I think they probably mm. did. Yeah. Because also along with that, like the feeling, the experience of the emotion of joy gets lost in that. And I always say to my patients, every single value and every single feeling is one side of a coin. So if you put that coin in your pocket. So you put the sadness coin in your pocket, the tails side of that is happiness. Or Mm. if you put fear in your pocket, you put bravery in your pocket. And like, so if you, as soon as you try to not feel something, you're also not feeling the other side of that coin. If you tell yourself something doesn't matter, you also lose the, the meaningfulness of it mattering. And that's kind of what happens, right? She's like, look, doesn't it feel good? Like all the feelings go away. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, you're empty. Right, you're searching multiverses for something that to matter. Yeah, you want something to matter. Yeah, um, and just because you put all the painful stuff on an everything bagel doesn't yeah. mean that the good stuff is left. Mm-hmm. We don't get to choose only certain things to feel. Yeah, um, and ultimately, what it is is she wants to matter to her mom. Yeah, 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 and she does matter to her mom. Her mom's just not very good at explaining it. Well, and right, and she tries to, and we have these sort of nice final battle scenes in which mom is learning that empathy is just as much a superpower as karate or all the different other skills Uh that she's sort of developed with the one finger punch and things like that. Oh, God. So, you know, and she tries to put that into practice and tries to offer these final connections. And we do see that back in the laundromat when everything is... uh, I don't want to say back to normal, but like back to reality, back to our original universe. Evelyn tries to to connect with Joy's girlfriend and introduce mm-hmm. Joy's girlfriend to her father. Mm-hmm. And we have this sort of scene where it's just like, yeah, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is my my daughter's girlfriend. And I think he basically says girlfriend. And and you know, and then we don't even really get much of that scene mm-hmm. because the important thing has happened, which mm-hmm. is acceptance and validation and that sort of like forward movement of this of mm-hmm. this relationship, even if Joy is still sort of confused and hurt and probably mm-hmm. going to still be recovering from some of those initial reactions for a while, mm-hmm. they've taken an important step forward. Yeah. And I really like that Joy walks away when that happens yeah. instead yeah. of it being like, yeah. oh, mom, yay. She's like, no, like the... Why now? And I yeah, think a lot of people yeah. struggle with that of that why now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we can't forget the quote, we're all useless alone. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what I've got to say about it, but I think that's important. Well, it just, just feels true, right? Mm-hmm. On the face of it. Yeah. Yeah. The the one of the quotes I wanted to, to put out there as well is when... There again, there are rocks on a cliff. I don't know why I I, I really connected with that one. And that was a really to, meaningful scene. I think it's because yeah, it I, I mean, I was in a theater and yeah. it got so silent during that. Yeah, scene. it's heavy. Yeah. yeah. 
Joe Boo says every new discovery, as we're talking about the different uh, universes, every new discovery is just a reminder. And Evelyn says, we're all small and stupid. Uh-huh. And, you know, when people, I think this kind of comes back to your sort of existential teen point mm-hmm. that you can take we're all small and stupid to be a terrible thing mm-hmm. or to be just a very uh, just acceptance, right? A mm-hmm. way of radically accepting uh, mm-hmm. our current reality. Yeah. And I think that that skill, you know, if you're familiar with DBT, people out there, radical acceptance is exactly what we're all small and stupid sort of speaks to. It's like, mm-hmm. this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all it is. And mm-hmm. we're kind of, we're still free as we've kind of made this point over and over again today to still do something with that, even if yeah. we are just small and mm-hmm. stupid. And yeah. Um, True without blame or judgment. Like it can be just what it is. And then you get to decide how you react to that. What to make of it. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I really liked was the way that you jump between multiverses is by doing the most statistically impossible action. (laughs) And what I really like about that is frequently when I work with people who feel really stuck, Mm. I often will say to them, do something completely different. You got to change I'm like, something. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Even if that is driving a different way home, mm-hmm. just to remind yourself that you can stand up and confess your love for the person who's trying to kill you. Right. Yep. Like, yes, you're likely not going to choose that thing. However, like you can, the freedom to do it. Yeah, we and uh, when I worked with adolescents, it was alternative rebellion, right? So mm-hmm. like I love stand backwards, rebellion. stand yeah. backwards in the elevator, you uh-huh. know, dye a chunk of your hair a certain color, yeah. like, you know, blast your music on your phone in public, yeah. you know, things that might be weird or awkward or against social norms, but like just to shake you out of your own norms that maybe you've fallen yeah. into that are not working just for to you. Just remind right yourself now. that you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this, it's, you can't cover all of it because it's everything. Everywhere, well, no, all at that's once. true. But I think we have, we have to ask the question, Haley, are we just, uh, are we in the same multiversal scenario that, uh, that this family finds themselves in, uh-huh. you know, this movie asks a big question, which is, is this all that there is? So what, when you watch this movie, cause now all these movies and Marvel universes and all the Disney universes and all these different things are playing around with this idea that we're just one version of ourselves of an uh-huh. infinite number of version of ourselves and an infinite number of universes making uh-huh. infinite number of decisions. Right. So what's your take? Is that, is that, I, I mean, obviously we could say it's, possible but Uh what would you say your hunch is what does your gut tell you about whether that's a real thing or not well we all know i'm the woo woo one so we all know what my answer is going to be of course there's a multiverse (laughs) i remember being really young and saying to somebody and kind of having an adult kind of be like this person this child's insane Mm. because i remember thinking like i could have made a different decision and it would have turned out differently i remember the first time thinking that and I don't remember how old I was. I'm going to say eight because that seems mm. like the first time you start to think this way. But sure. And I started being like, there has to be a tree. Like there has to be a trunk when you're born. And then there's just like all the different branches of like the different choices that you've made. Now, sure. whether I was thinking that those other versions of me actually exist or I was just thinking mm. that those other versions of possibility exist out there. Yeah. I don't – I. I don't know. And I'll never know. Like that's something that I'll never know. Okay. Now let's say that it definitely does exist. Multiverse. Like I, or Haley Roberts as a human body exists somewhere else who made a different choice. Do I think that the consciousness can hop between them? Absolutely not. And the reason why is because my consciousness is the way that it is now because of the choices that I've made, right? Mm, Every rejection, every disappointment has led me to this moment, right? So I'm incapable of being that other person because I haven't lived that other person's or that other version of myself's experience. However, if somebody were to be like, deja vu is like the immediately you jumping from an immediate mm-hmm. parallel to an immediate other parallel, mm-hmm. I'd be like, all right, I'm on board. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, because I'm woo-woo and I'm like, there's stuff that I don't understand. And if somebody gives me a logical explanation for it, I'm like, sure. Let's Who go am with I that. to say yeah. that it's not sure. that? Um, 
I am human. And so I think I'm the center of the universe as we all do. And so do I think that's the case? No, I'm the only version of me. Hmm. But like, it's totally impossible. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, Ryan, tell us your very logical thought about this. Well, so, I mean, it's funny. We've come full circle because um, uh, do I believe that it's possible? I mean, it, it's, it's impossible for me to say that it's impossible. I'm sure yeah. it's possible. Do I think it is It is true? No, I do not think mm-hmm. it is true that there are there is a multiverse. Mm-hmm. And I, I know enough about myself, and this comes back to our you know, uh, how I'm controlled by a golden retriever because I don't think it's true. But part of that is because if I accept the possibility that it's true, I could not contain my curiosity to want to meet those other versions of myself and to know them and to play with them or to talk to them or to like figure out, well, how how do you do that? How did you figure out how to do that? Why, why did you make that decision? Oh, um, so like, I, I can't I can't let go of that. Yeah. Wouldn't that, you be, like, terrified to find out that there's a version of yourself that's just, like, way happier? Um, no, I, that wouldn't be terrifying to me at all. Oh, because much like uh, <laughs> Waymond, all that would mean is that there's a version out there of me that has learned something different that he's benefited from. That doesn't mean yeah. anything bad about this version of me. That's so funny. That's just, like, good for that ride. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, you mean if I had made one decision differently, I could have experienced well, my whole life differently? <laughs> yeah, well, That's I mean, you probably, but that doesn't mean we can't still oh, make yeah. those decisions, right? It's yeah. certain. If we yeah. would have made yes. different decisions, right. we'd be different people. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So what a note to end on. I know. What shocking answers, like both of you and I, just nobody would have guessed. <laughs> like come back to our to back to our our base levels, but that's okay. That's our base universes that we uh, can not help ourselves but to reside in. So Good. here we are, um, and so we shall continue being so. So we must we must do our reviews because that's what we do in this universe. So Haley. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to go hot dog fingers. I have to go. I, know, I have that's to what I was thinking too. take something deeper from one of these fascinating universes. Let's see. On a scale of, you know, I really like the googly eyes. On a scale of uh, one to five laundry bags with googly eyes, mm-hmm. because my daughter at times, whenever she's gotten access to, to such uh, supplies, you know, similar <laughs> things have occurred in our home. How accurate would you say uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is, at least uh-huh. on the base universe level, mm-hmm. representing some interesting family dynamics? Yeah, I'm going to answer this both on the base level, but also metaphorically speaking. Great. Yes. And actually, I'm giving the same answer for both of them, but different parts. <laughs> so I say five, like truly like five out of five, I think the struggle of Joy and Jojo Tabaki as the the transition between those two people, even though we don't see it, you can kind of figure out how it happened. That seems very, very realistic to me. The struggle of relationships between Evelyn and Waymond makes sense to me. The attraction of Evelyn to Alpha Waymond makes sense to me. The I think that the Deidre to Evelyn transition i don't think that happens quite that quickly sure however i do think when we are reminded that people are human we are more understanding we are more willing to give them time we are more willing to give them space and so like i think that was really well represented i also think the way that evelyn and is it Jojo Tubaki? Is that what it is? Jobu, okay. Jobu, Jobu Tubaki. Jobu Tubaki. Yeah. Tubaki. Mm-hmm. Jeez mm-hmm. Louise, I'm, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Um, but I think the way that they interact, the way that they fight, the way that they discuss anger and sadness and resentment and the way that they're like getting sucked into the bagel and the way they d- look at the yep. bagel and discuss it. And like, I think all of those things metaphorically are very meaningful. And I think that like, that's why so many people are kind of like, you have to see this movie because it's kind of a weird movie for so many people to have that kind of response to. Um, But so many people are having that response. And I think it's because it so accurately touches on everything, everywhere, all at once. Like it really Mm -hmm. does. Like it hits everything. So yeah, I give it five googly eyes on laundry bags. Well said. Thank you. (laughs) 
what about you? I always choose things that shock me um, or give me joy. So Mm. on a scale from five to one, stapled bagels on your head <laughs> like Deidre does to herself. She sure does. Um, how entertaining do you think it was? And I intentionally well, all, reversed it because it's yes, an awful, awful rating. I know. <laughs> I, I was so excited of, about the everything bagel metaphor because it is my favorite bagel. Um, oh, I'm just going to put that out bagel. there. It's, it's, a, it's a great bagel. 100%. Um, it, w- it doesn't make sense when you hear it just like we just put everything on there and it uh-huh. works. Uh-huh. It works. Do you ever, do you know that there's seasoning called everything but the bagel seasoning? Uh, I have okay. everything but the bagel seasoning in my I, pantry. I should have known. You, do, you don't got to <laughs> tell me about everything bagel seasoning. <laughs> so, I mean, look, this is a, this is a, one it's the highest it's all Uh the all the things yep i think it is it's easy you know we said clever before but i think that's not really doing it justice because it's both taking this sort of conceit about Mm -hmm. the idea of there being a multiverse which you know as we said superhero movies and all these different movies are kind of playing around with this possibility and using it to tell a very small story Uh Um, but not small in insignificant but actually small in very relatable and very specific Uh and i love when movies do that yeah you know it reminds me it gave me the same feelings of like inside out and like some of these types of movies where it's it's using a trick to do something it's Uh it's a little bit emotionally manipulative and a storytelling Uh trick but it's so effective yes and they do it so well and the fact that this kind of thing hasn't been done before, it's so refreshing to have what felt like a completely original story and yet it be sort of so uh, familiar, so uh-huh. uh, you know, so relatable. So I was yeah. completely entertained and blown away and yeah. I hope it wins all the awards. It has yeah. to, it, particularly yeah. the actors. Like yeah. Yeah, everybody yeah. was fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first non-Disney that has gotten a perfect score from us. I think you're right, and yeah. I have no no qualms about it. Me either. I yeah. definitely think you have to go into it not expecting it to be anything, mm-hmm. right? Because sure. because it is it, it's not it's indescribable, right? Like, yeah, I mean, no, it's a ride, it's, right? I mean, yeah. like you 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 have to kind of strap in for it. Uh, yeah, you have to recognize that the title is highly descriptive. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, yes. But I definitely like. I think it did a really it it did a really good job. You know what made my mind when you were describing like why you found it entertaining was this is such a cliched uh, story, right? Yeah, but sure. the way they did it was so unique to mm-hmm. me. It felt like um, one of the first things that you and I did together, which was Palm Springs, right? Yeah, that yeah. Groundhog's yeah. Day yeah, um, totally. storyline is so overdone but the way that it was done was so unique and i think that that's a perfect description for this as well and in a way that like kind of when you mentioned that it was a multiverse i was like oh right it it was of course it was a multiverse (laughs) right like you kind of forget (laughs) that that's happening you just kind of think it's different versions of the same person but yeah yeah it was interesting so yeah i love it five out of five ones out of ones so (laughs) so congratulations to everybody involved with that because we were very excited and incredible yeah. Yeah. Um, and we hope you all came along for the journey with us, listening to us kind of travel the multiverse. Um, yeah. So, as always, thank you all for listening. Please f- uh, check out our social medias if you want to play along with us with what animal uh, would be controlling you. We'd love to hear it. Yes. And we'll share those if you share them with yeah. us. Yeah. And as always, feel free to suggest other things that you want to see us watch because this was a, a direct request. Um, I, you yeah. know, heard about the movie, but had no idea that it was going to be as relevant for us as it yeah. turned out to be. So always, that's always a pleasurable experience for me. It was great. And it was the first time I'd been to a movie theater in a very long time. So there you go. All right. Very exciting. <laughs> okay. We'll speak to you soon. Please follow us on all the socials at pop psych one Bye. Bye.